0: I uh, laid carpet full time, laid carpet, tile, vinyl, uh, ceramic, different stuff, whatever I could, whatever went on the floor, for about 17 years, and I hired had adventure the adventure of hiring employees, and uh, in my hiring of employees, I found a wide variety of employees. Uh, and, and carpet is kind of a, a two-man two-man tag team. It's really like a two-man tag team. I worked with one guy for four years, and he and I didn't even have to talk to each other. We didn't have to talk all day long. He knew what to do. It'd be like having surgery, somebody in surgery that was well, really, and they just hand you the next thing you need. They already know. It's called anticipation. They knew the next thing you needed, what to do next, what was coming next. You didn't have to talk. And I'd have... Uh, some guys work for me, and the first day, I'd say, uh, uh, I'd say I, I'm going would to, would you get the tools out of the truck, or do this, or do that? And, they, and I had a guy come to me one time, and he says, I don't like the way you say that. He said, I want you to say, please. I said, okay, I'll do it. I'm going to say, please, at the beginning of the day, and that's going to cover the whole day. I said, please, please. Uh, when I ask you to go get something, get it. I mean nothing by it, but I'm in a hurry. I got a lot responsibility. We're trying to get the job done. Not only quality, but you got to have quantity. You got to get it done. And so it'd be about halfway through a day, and he say, I don't like the way you're saying that. And i say, well, get it. He'd say, well, why do you want that? And then he started asking me why. Remember three-year-old, you know a three-year-old child? It's raining outside. Why? Well, because we need water. Why? And so what I realized is I couldn't work with a guy like that because he had to understand everything I was doing to help me, to do what I was asking him to do. And I've tried to tell him, you don't have to understand why I'm asking you to do it. Just do it. Trust me enough to do it. And at the end of the day, you'll see why. And this message tonight basically is around that same idea. God asks us to do a lot of things in life, a lot of things. There's 127, at least least 127 commandments in the New Testament alone on how to live, act, function. And if you you have to wait till God explains to you why he's asking you to do what you do, what he asks you to do, you're never going to do it you got to be willing to trust God enough just to do what he says. If, if he says to do it, it must be right to do it. and In the big picture, it must be the way to go. Okay, we can go home. Well, let, me, let me prove it to you. Let's go to 2 Kings chapter 13, verses 14 through 19. 2 Kings chapter 13, 14 through 19. Now Elisha, was fallen sick of his sickness whereof he died. In other words, God told him, this is a sickness unto death. And Joash, the king of Israel, came down unto him and wept over his face and said, oh, my father, my, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And Elisha said unto him, take take bow and arrows. And he took he unto him, bow and arrows. And he said to the king of Israel, put thine hand upon the bow. And he put his hand upon the bow. Put his hand upon it. And Elisha put his hands upon the king's hands And he said, open the window eastward. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot. And he shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For thou shalt smite the Syrians at Apec till thou hast consumed them. And he said, take the arrows. And he took them. And said unto the king of Israel, smite the ground. And he smote thrice, that's three times, and stayed, stop. And the man of God was wroth with him, upset with him, and said, Thou shouldest have smitten five or six times, then hast thou smitten Syria, till so thou hast consumed it, whereas thou shalt smite Syria but thrice. So we basically told him, "When, it, when it, what we may not read in the language is, continue smite the ground, don't quit. He didn't tell him to quit. He said, Just keep smiting the ground. Smite it. He did it's one, two, and three, and quit. And you see what happened. And then in Exodus chapter uh, 14, verses 13 through 15, this is the children of Israel had come out of Egypt with 10 of the greatest miracles maybe ever recorded. The Bible says those 10 miracles judged the 10 and more, judged the gods of Egypt, basically, each one of those miracles was pointed at judging the gods of Egypt. And in verse 13 of Exodus 14, 13, and Moses said to the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. Egypt, after they left and they come up to the Red Sea, Egypt came with their 600-plus chariots and their whole army, and were going to take their slaves back, basically. And so Moses says, Fear not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which, will, which he will show to you today for the Egyptians whom... You have seen the day, you shall see them again no more forever. And the Lord shall fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. The Lord said unto Moses, why cryest unto me? So so Moses begins to go to God and asks him to help. And God says, why cryest unto me? Speak to the children of Israel if they go forward. There's a time to pray, and there's a time to do. There's a time to pray, and there's a time just to do. Most people do not suffer from lack of information. They suffer from not doing on the information they have. You don't necessarily need to know the Bible more. You need to obey the part of the Bible you know. And then God may let you know more of the Bible. Why would he just continually let you know more if you don't obey what you already know? Think about it. Another example, another example is... uh, about Naaman the Syrian, the, the leprous Naaman, we know about him. Second Kings chapter five, verse nine through fourteen. Naaman was a high-ranking officer, next to the king, and he had uh, he had terrible leprosy. And so Naaman came with his horses and with his chariots and stood at the door of the house of Elisha because they had told him Elisha would be able to heal him. Elisha sent messenger on him saying, "Didn't even come out." Go and wash in Jordan seven times. Now, if you know anything about Jordan, it's the muddy Jordan. The Jordan's nasty muddy. The muddy Mississippi. It's muddy. The muddy Missouri. It's, it's, uh, it's a muddy river. And he said, go dip in Jordan seven times, and the flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth. He was angry again. And went away and said, Behold, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord, his God. He had all kinds of expectations of God. That's a risky thing to do. And strike his hand over the place, that is the place of the leprosy, and recover the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, Syria, that is, be better than all the waters of Israel? Probably were. May I not wash in them and be clean? And so he turned and went away in a rage. Here he'd gone all the way to be cleaned by this prophet Elisha in Israel. And Elisha didn't even didn't even go out to see him, didn't honor him even with his presence. Because Naaman was a heathen. And Israel didn't have anything to do and mix with him. And he really was an enemy of Israel. And so he, he's been told to go to Jordan and dip seven times. Jordan's a nasty river. And he's like, what in the world? No, I'm not going to do that. He wanted more information. He wanted to understand why. And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather then, when he saith to thee, wash and be clean, Thank God for people that help you sometimes. And they went down, and he dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. He almost missed it. He almost missed it. Because he had to understand why to obey. Now, this is, this is a meat sermon. This is not a milk sermon or a bread sermon or a fish sermon. This is a red meat sermon. Because what I'm going to do right now from here to the end is put the application on this. Think about it. Let's, put, let's start out with wives. It's no deep secret how to get your man to want to be around you. Instead of fighting him and nagging him and debating with him and contesting him and defying him and questioning him and criticizing him and pushing him, try doing what the Bible says. Try submitting and cooperating and obeying and encouraging and overlook overlooking, boy, that's a good one, and working with him. You don't have to understand <clears throat> what the Bible says when it says wives submit yourselves unto your own husbands. You don't have to understand why. If you've got to understand why, you won't do it. But do you believe God knows what he's talking about? More than you know what you're talking about. Do you think when he wrote those things in the Bible, he knew what he was talking about? He wasn't trying to uh, make women subservient just for the sake of being subservient. He knows that no man can serve two masters. You can't have two bosses in the same house. There's no 50-50 marriage. Everything around you has a leader. The police have a leader. The firemen have a leader. Our government has a leader. Our local government has a leader. Everywhere, the fire ant pile out there has got a leader. The birds have leaders. Chickens have leaders. I had 50 roosters. There was one head rooster, which attacked my wife. And if I may say, that was his last day of life i told that story a few times, but uh, he was my favorite rooster. He was a head boy. He was a head honcho. And he took out, he tried to take my wife out. <laughs> Couldn't let that happen. You don't have to understand. You don't have to see the end results, and you don't have to have a signed affidavit from God. Just trust God. Just trust God. You say that's too simple. It may be simple, but that's a lot of profundity in that statement. Much easier to say than it is to do. How about husbands? Husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. It was quoted tonight. I believe it was Ephesians 5 25-27. Quoted. It's no deep secret how, man, how you can make your wife want to stick with you. Instead of demanding, commanding, instructing, speaking down to, finding fault with, or degrading, you try encouraging, thanking, being kind to, thoughtful to, courtesy, have courtesy, compassion, tenderness, complimenting, considering her. You don't have to understand. By the way, when it says wives submit yourself to your own husbands, you know you notice there's not a list of conditions. This is this is the deep part. Of it. No conditions. Oh, we as people say, if he does this right, I submit to him. If he does this, doesn't say that. Read it again. Go back to it. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves church. Notice there's no conditions. Well, my wife's a floozy. I'm a sinner. Vile, wicked sinner that Jesus loved and was been so patient with, I am just amazed at the patience God has had with me. I don't know about you, but I am amazed with the patience God has had with me. And we're supposed to have that kind of consideration and patience for our women. You didn't clean the house. I worked all day. What you been doing? Of course, nobody in this room has ever been guilty of that. Children, obey your husbands. (laughs) Children, obey your husbands. Where did that come from? Children, obey your parents in all things. That is well pleasing unto the Lord. Colossians 3.20. Children, you may not understand it, but it may save your life to obey your mom and dad. But my boyfriend, he's so nice, and I think he's the right one. Mom and dad look at you and say, man, don't do it. There was this little girl crossing a busy highway one day. She started to step across the end the highway, and the mother is standing a little ways away from her, Saw an oncoming speeding car coming right towards her. Everything now depended on the little girl's willingness to obey without question. The mother, with an impassioned voice, yelled, Susie, come here now. If Susie had to have an explanation, she would be dead. If she obeyed without question, She lived. That's the way God is with us a lot of times. Some of the things He's telling us are so urgent, so necessary, that you're going to cause yourself a world of hurt by sitting around questioning God why He said that. And that doesn't, and and trying trying to argue the Bible away by your peculiar, particular circumstances. The Bible was written for a massive group of people. Not, you know what I'm saying about that? He understood there'd be individual circumstances. He understood there'd be individual cases, but he understood enough to write what we needed to hear without putting all those conditions in there. He just said, you just do what I tell you to do. Obey me. Jesus said, if you love me, he'll keep my commandments. It's, it's about love. It's about understanding. God asks us to faith it out, not try to figure it out. So with the wives, he says, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands that fit in the Lord. It says, Husbands, love your wives. Be not bitter against them. It says, Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. It says, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. No conditions. No conditional statements around any of those. Servants, obey in all things your master, according to the flesh, not with eye service or men, please, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. No conditional statements, none. It's amazing. I've often gone through the Bible and said, Lord, it looks like you know more than we know. Or you would give us explanations, but you said, yeah, you just need to trust me. Children, it's no dark, deep secret. You can get along with your parents and grow up successfully. Instead of griping and complaining and criticizing, wishing they would change, being ungrateful, willful, rebellious, know-it-all, dragging your feet, uncooperative, reluctant, trite, arrogant, and smart-mouthed. Did I cover most of that? Try trusting, completing, accomplishing, pursuing, seeking, desiring their will and not your will, in obedience to them. Not, I don't want to eat this food because I don't like it. I don't want to wear these clothes because I don't like it. I don't want to have, I like my own friends and not the friends you want me to have. The kind of music I listen to is not the kind of music they listen to. The kind of TV or YouTube or whatever you're watching is not what my parents want me to watch. I want to do my thing. And so you do. And you miss God's blessing. You miss the will of God as he tries to work it out in the children's life. My dad trained all three of us boys in the floor covering business. None of us wanted to learn the floor covering business. No, you'd have to be crazy to want to know the floor covering business. That's what we thought. We fought it. We said, Dad, we, we don't need it. we want to do something else. He said, No, you're gonna learn what I tell you, and you're gonna do it how I tell you, and then after you do that, you can learn it, you can do it your way. Oh, he was wise. Because once we learned it his way, we understood that was actually the best way. And so we learned floor covering. And, oh, did that help us. My brother Jim's still in it. My brother brother Louie retired in it. My My son is in it. I was in it 17 years. It's hard to get out of the floor covering business, I can tell you that. It's because it treats you right. It treats you good. And to this day, all three of us are thankful for my dad knowing best and we didn't and helping us to obey. And that's the way God works with us. Those things that you read in the New Testament, those commandments you read in the New Testament, you may say, oh, that's tough. It may, it may sound tough, but the consequences of disobedience to those things is tougher, if I may use that word, harder. Service or employees, let's just say, in our case. There's no secret to becoming a good employee. There really isn't. Instead of shirking, loafing, feather bedding, padding, majoring in administration, critiquing, having your mind somewhere else but your job, daydreaming, talking on the phone with personal phone calls, never happy with the amount of money you make, no matter what it is, doing a sloppy, just-get-by job and having no loyalty past your paycheck. Instead, we should do what God asks us to do and try listening, being helpful, prompt, neat, courteous, concerned, honest, creative, willing to work full day's work, willing to work overtime, look out for the company, and be happy with your pay. That's what Jesus said, told the soldiers, be happy with what you get. You can be happy with what you get or go your whole life unhappy and still get it. Well, if I'm going to make 15 bucks an hour, I might as well be happy making 15 bucks an hour than unhappy making 15 bucks an hour because I'm still going to be making 15 bucks an hour. And if I'm happy making 15 bucks an hour and I'm doing my, well, by the way, happy people work better. Right? I mean, you get that. When you're happy, you work better. When, and, you, and, and be work as if you own the company. Do extra stuff. Pick up stuff. Keep their, keep their equipment clean. Uh, do, do stuff beyond a call of duty. And it won't be long. You'll do more work than you get paid for. It won't be long before you'll get paid for more work than you do. That's right. With Zig Ziglar, by the way, a motivational speaker, that's one of his statements. He's right about that. Employers right now are looking for good employees, really looking for good employees. And if you're a good employee and a solid employee and a blessing to them and honest, you wouldn't steal a nail, you wouldn't take a dime, you wouldn't take anything from them, and you would just look out for them, you will be promoted, and eventually you will be blessed financially and you will do so much better than those people who do not obey the Bible and do the things that I mentioned here. And it was just a short list. And one thing I want to say is about talking, taking a personal phone call. i got, I got to say this. Cell phones are a plague upon, upon both our houses. That's a, that's a line from Shakespeare. May there be a plague on both your houses, the Capulets and the. Whatever the other one, Montagues. How dare you take personal phone calls during your work time? My brother took, kept track of his phone calls with employees because one guy, one guy's wife called him 16 times in one day. Now, folks. One time my brother didn't have a problem with it, two times when he even had a problem with two times. Sixteen times that woman called him. He confronted the guy about it. He said, I got a record of your phone calls. You've, you've taken sixteen phone calls from your wife. He said, if I don't take them, I'll have to quit. Or I'll get divorced because she'll, she'll divorce me. There's something real wrong there. And guess what happened? He got fired. He created a beautiful job. He let go. You don't have to know why to to obey. That's what this bottom line is. You don't have to know why. Oh, that I would be better in this same thing I'm talking about. When God asked me to do something, He asked me to go door, He asked me to go in the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And that involves, of course, door to door, whatever evangelism tracks, door to door, and all we do around here, some 20 different outreaches. Uh, that's just the least we can do. When we've done everything we're supposed to do, Jesus said, call yourself an unprofitable servant because you've done just what's your duty to do. You've read it. You know that's true, what I'm saying oh, I'm going to heaven, I'm going to get a big old compliment from God because I really obeyed him. He said, when you've done everything you're supposed to do, you've just done what is expected of you as a redeemed child of God. Man, you've been your sins have been washed clean. Your record has been washed clean. You've been pardoned, justified, uh, propitiated, sanctified. You You can never pay God back for what he's done for us. That's why I want to be door-to-door. That's why I want to be part of the bus ministry. That's why I want to be part of the, of the, of the local church. It's God's outreach for his name. It's the least I can do for him. Joash, as I read, the three illustrations I use there, Joash did not need to know how many times to smite. He just needed to keep smiting the ground. The children of Israel did not need to know why they were to go forward. They just needed to go forward and cross the Red Sea. Naaman the leper did not need to know why he was told to dip in the Jordan seven times. He just needed to dip himself in the Jordan seven times, and he did, praise the Lord, in that case. God will ask you to do many things in your life, and he will not explain it. Let me just list a a few things in the Bible he asks us to do. And by the way, when I say ask, I'm talking command, really. I know the word command uh rubs the cat the wrong way. You know what rubbing the cat the wrong way is. You all have cats. Rub the cat the wrong way. They don't like their hair rubbed the wrong way. You rub them the wrong way, they, they bow up, they get you know, upset about that. Don't that's why I don't have cats too temperamental. But the only cat I is a bobcat. The imperative in the Greek, which I find at least 127 times in the New Testament, is a command, and a command is a tough word. We're to go in the world and preach the gospel. That's a command. We're to flee the appearance of evil. That's a command. We are to flee youthful lusts. That's a command. Make no provision for the flesh. A command. Meditate on God's word. That's a command. Pray without ceasing. That's a command. Love your brothers. That's a command. Keep yourself from fornication, immorality, pornea. That's a command. Go fashion yourselves in your former lusts. Don't look like the world, smell like the world, act like the world. That's a command. Be holy for I'm holy and all that involves. That's a command. Forgive one another. That's a command. Sometimes you have people in church, oh, one person will sit over there and one person will sit over there because they don't even like to be around the other person. I'm glad God don't treat me that way. I'm glad God will forgive me and hug me, put his arms around me. Man, you should treat each other at least that good, at least that good. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. That's a command. By the way, with no explanation, you don't have to understand all the ramifications of God's commands. You just are to do them. Because by the time you figure out why God wants you to do these things in life, your life will pretty much be over, and it'll be too late. I have had people come through Gospel Baptist that have broken my heart because they never would put their hand on the plow. They just had to know more information of why would God have said this wasn't working the way I think it shouldn't. They had all these expectations that God had to meet up before they would put their hand on the plow and not look back. He said, just put your hand on the plow, look forward, and let me take care of the, the results of all that. Amen. And they they've and they I, I after years of working with some with these people, for years of working with them, I brought them, I bring them into a room and I say, look. You've wasted 20 years without ministry, without spreading the word of God, without being faithful to the evangelism that God has told us to do and, and other things, and you've wasted 20 years. And and they've still got the same excuses 20 years down the road they had at the beginning of the 20 years. And I've lived so long, I've seen the second 20 years. Now they've wasted 40 years of their life. Now they're really pretty much shot. They only got a 10 years left or less, And even if they wanted to serve God with all their, they just have a little short time to do it. And they've wasted all that beautiful time because they were looking for some sort of explanation from God. Look, just have simple, blind faith and trust the word of God and trust God that he knows what he's doing more than you know what you're doing and do what he asks you to do. That is called, in the Bible, obedience. And by the way, with a good attitude. Most of you were, many of you were here when old Don Sis, he got up here and said, you get to give to missions, you don't have to. I love that. That's Bible, man. We get to obey God. We get to give up everything in our in our, in our uh, radar screen and, and pick up God's. God, what do you want me to do? I'll do it. What do you want me to be? I'll be what you want me to be. Go where you want me to go. Do what you want me to do. Whoa, that's what... Woo, that's what turns the world upside down. And at the end of your life, like Sandy Walling, you're going to come to the end of yours just like she's come to the end of hers. And just like Ben came to the end of his. And just like Bob Rose just came to the end of his. And I think within the last two years, almost 12 people in our midst came to the end of theirs. Will you be full of regrets? Or will you be looking forward to seeing Jesus because you've been faithful and obeyed him? Father, help us tonight to understand these simple truths. It's so simple a truth, yet it's so deep a truth. So many times this has been missed. Lord, help us to believe the Bible, to believe the Holy Spirit as he woos us and explains the word of God and tells us our duties and our responsibilities. Help us just to do it. Forgive us where our egos and our so-called intellectual prowess try to argue with God Almighty. Help us to be simple, open, obedient children of God. It'll save our marriages. It'll save our jobs. It'll save our local church and it'll save people that are lost and undone. They're going to hear the gospel and be saved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's if you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239- Nine four seven one two eight five. Thank you, and God bless.